Broadcasting from the heart of commie-controlled America, the no-bullshit bearer of doom and gloom, opium-free broadcast, the most important hour of your day. Just in case. You got your guitar just in case. Very cool. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whoever you are in the world. My name is Josh. That is David Caspiel, my guest for tonight. And uh, yeah, welcome to the Red Pill Project's Daily Dose. We are live with you Monday through Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. This is where we bring you the unfolding global conspiracy of communism coming to America, the undermining of the United States Constitution, the infiltration of our social, our economic, our academic, our political, our militaristic systems. They are trying to destroy America, and today, Patriots Fight Back. That is the name of the episode, and we're going to talk a lot about that. A lot of things happening in the news. I got a whole colorful bunch of news sitting up on my big screen, so this is going to be a great show. Uh, but first, we're talking to uh, David here. David, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on. I, I Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. So. For those who don't know, is uh, there's there's a lot of different crypto projects out there, and there's a lot of things that I've been talking about in the sense of the crypto industry. Um, one thing I've always said is that we have to focus on a decentralized basis for cryptocurrency moving forward. We cannot allow the centralization of this alternative money that is coming up. And this is critical with everything that's happening in the world, especially pertaining to ISO 222. I call it ISO 2022. I don't know. For some reason, I see another zero. But the, the implementation of the new blockchain system that's going to replace the SWIFT system, whether that's XRPL or whatever it is, um, some of you guys are like, whoa, way over my head. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. But understand that we're in a transition right now with our financial system. And everything is moving to this new type of infrastructure. And there's one thing out there that we need to do is we need to control it. We need to be in charge of it. And there are certain mechanisms within cryptocurrency and blockchain technology that allow us to do that. And that's what David does. That's what AmericaFirstNFT.io is. That's what uh, you know the Crypto Vault is about. And uh, so I invited him on to like just come talk to us about where yeah. crypto is heading, where money's heading. Because it's getting pretty crazy out there, man. Yeah, I think some of the crazy things, right, is they want to implement this social credit score. We've got the digital currency coming. These are all things like, hey, will I have a bank tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Can they just shut me down because I said something wrong on a podcast? Right. Those things are really coming. And so, you know, I spent the last 25 years, Josh, helping these big corporations implement the latest and greatest technology. That's all I did. They always want to know how they could get a competitive edge. The entire game plan, though, was how do I sell something to people like you and I? That was the thing. Yeah. And so over 25 years, I've got to absorb a lot of these technologies, meet the big players, the CEOs, everyone that was implementing them. And I thought, you know what? One day these technologies, we could leverage these for ourselves. We can just implement them as a community and, and learn how to take advantage of the same technologies that are giving these big tech companies, these big manufacturers, the advantage, we can have them for ourselves, but someone's going to have to put that together. So along comes blockchain, smart contracts, those kind of things. And it opened up a whole set of opportunities. The one main opportunity though, I believe is giving us our data privacy back mm. this new technology is allowing us to have ownership over the data. Now, here's the problem. No matter what happens, Josh, all the companies are working on collecting your data. 
You yep. shut one down, the other one will pop up. They'll collect your data. That's not going to stop. What we're saying is we could create a system where, fine, collect our data, but pay us for the data that we own. It's ours. So instead of Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or someone making money off of your data, using the new, latest, and greatest technology, we can create ownership over your data for that individual and eventually create an entire system of community and commerce that benefit you and I and your listeners as consumers. That's right. So, and it's, it's, it's along that line of what people have been hinting towards in the backdrop about a parallel economy. And so we have the kind of Western nations coming about creating the Great Reset. We have the BRICS Alliance, which is basically saying they want nothing to do about that. And then we have the crypto world, which is kind of an intermesh between the two from decentralized to centralized. Uh, we have the, the westernized nations, governments coming about and making various different legislation and regulations pertaining to cryptocurrency. Like I was just saying, I just paid my taxes on cryptocurrency and it wasn't fun. Um, and so we have a lot of these things coming about. So how do we go about as a community? Because, I mean, you, you come from a very, very big Christian community. The people that are working on your team are patriots. They love this country. They love freedom. They love liberty. They love justice. They love God. They're all organized around this whole perspective and idea of the truth movement as well. Yeah, so that's a, it's a good question. And it really does boil down to community. And in fact, the whole blockchain, smart contract, that type of technology gives us a unique opportunity to build communities. And that's... When you build communities, those are that's what you need in order to create um, the the type of connectiveness that allows you. Give me a second. Let me shut this mute on. Kitty, I don't know what that. Kitty is. did it. Kitty did it. Kitty did it. She entered it. So communities are what allow you to put together the masses to educate you on the key components of technology, mm -hmm. on everything moving forward. What the, what the global elites might try to do to us. The key is community. In fact, if you look at any of these NFT projects that are building, they're all built. The strength and the existence of these NFT projects, non-fungible tokens, okay? Most people call them digital pictures. Right. They can be more than digital pictures. And in fact, that's the difference. We launched a project that one lowers the bar in which it requires for someone to come in and actually buy one of these digital pictures, mm -hmm. but it's also allows us to come together quickly as a community around technologies that we can use to help educate one another. And we're talking about education for things. You, you talked about the IRS, right? You go to our site, you own our NFT. It immediately gives you access to things that will help educate you on our legal system, how people build wealth how to minimize debt. These are all the types of things that this technology allows us to own, like I mentioned before, our data, but also come together as a community. This is the difference between Web 2.0 and Web 3.0. It's really around ownership and community. So those are the, the things that you'll hear me stress a lot because yeah. at the end of the day, if we're to survive as a sovereign people, as a free people, we need to stick together. But we also need to enhance our other skill sets, 
how we communicate, how we have authority over. You talked about coming from a kingdom organization. Um, one of the thought leaders in our place, in our uh, platform, talks about how to have authority, right? And and these are all key leadership skills that I think that us as patriots and Americans need to learn if we want to be able to help out in what's to come. Right. And the entire site is really focused around not just becoming a leader, but also having access to the leaders. One thing I could tell you, Josh, one of the most successful, most successful traits of any type of project is the communication and the access to the leadership. And that's what we, we intend to do. This platform helps bring together the community, giving each one of each, you know, all of us on the team access to each other so we can help train people. And what I suspect will happen over time is these, we're selling a Genesis non-fungible token, a right. Genesis membership or founding membership NFT. What I suspect will happen over time is that more and more leaders will come on and offer leadership training and skills and programs. And that's it's, what I think will continue. Right. And, and so this is the, also the cool thing is that you can plug in to this model directly when you get involved is that this model is massively encompassing. Like I was saying is that this is kind of like a digital parallel economy that is being set up. And so when David's talking about leaders and so forth, I mean, this could be leaders in any various aspect, even business. I mean, you go in there and you go to, uh, right now we just have America first NFT.io up. And I just put that link out there that you can go in there, right? And and then all of a sudden your business is linked up and now people can go in there and start learning from you and learning your expertise. And so it becomes this knowledge share sh center as well. But this is what we need in the sense of this parallel economy as it develops up. And then there's a social aspect, there's a metaverse aspect. But the beautiful thing is that this maintains mm. decentralization. And, and what I mean by that is that, you know, we're all anti-government, if you want to look at it like that. We're all anti-globalist. And so when we start looking at something in the sense of cryptocurrency, it has to be aligned towards that mechanism. And as this, um, as the crypto world vault grows and as everything grows in the sense of David's projects, these are going to be expansive and be community-driven. And so this means they'll have a decentralized autonomous organization, a DAO. They're going to have various other aspects where the community gets to drive what happens with the platform to a certain degree, as well as being the beneficiary of what happens. Now, David, one of the things that we talked about, I thought was really cool, was how these digital assets actually operate. And so when we say NFT, non-fungible token or digital asset, People probably are thinking like monkeys, you know, digital monkeys and board ape yachts. Yeah, board ape yachts or whatever. This is this is not what we're talking about. No. Um, to give everybody an, an example, there's a company out there known as V Chain. They're out of China right now, and some of their contracts are with Walmart, within with BMW, and many other Fortune 500 and 100 companies. And what they've done is they developed a blockchain as well as an RFID tracking system for parts manufacturing and for various different supplies. So this means when raw materials come in, all those raw materials are basically produced with a serial code that are tracked through RFID. 
okay? And that becomes an NFT. Then when that NFT part, that segment of it, gets sent out to be making a plastic piece, okay, that that raw material is now added in as an NFT into this secondary NFT. And now you have a bumper that's made out of this raw material. So we know exactly where that raw material came from, when it was mined, who mined it, the original cost for it, and then it goes into the bumper. Now the bumper goes onto a car, and that those NFT packages get added into this, and then you have the system of tracking all the way down to the mining of the raw materials and the cost-effectiveness, yeah. the, the weather that day when it was being mined. And, and if you've ever ran a business, those types of analytics, when you drive down that far will save you millions of dollars, billions of dollars for larger corporations when you can look at it at that scalable level. And so there's this efficiency aspect that comes into it. So that's one aspect of NFTs. Another aspect of NFT is imagine that, imagine that the future comes and you're walking down the street and you go into a store and you go to buy a few items and you put them in your, in your bag and uh, you walk out of the store and all of a sudden your credit card is charged. But guess what? You never left your house. You're sitting in a chair. You're in virtual world. You're in an overlapping map of the actual real world. You're going into the actual store's virtual version of itself. You're picking the items off the shelf. You're throwing in your bag and your cart. Once you walk out, your card gets transacted immediately directly out of your digital wallet. And those items get shipped to your house. Okay, that's another aspect of this. But then... Let's say that we're we're in the metaverse, David, and we're going to the Louvre. Right? Oh yeah, we're going to the Louvre. Well, the Louvre's going to have the Mona Lisa up there, right? Well, who owns that Mona Lisa? Did the Louvre just create a copy of the Mona Lisa, or did the Louvre go out there and have to rent that Mona Lisa from someone who owns a digital certificate of ownership of the digital version? That is. Right. You got it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I'm glad that you brought up the whole metaverse component of it mm -hmm. because you mentioned a piece of it. We're already, as part of this America First NFT launch, when someone owns that, they will have access to the VIP lounge room of our um, – we have a virtual conference coming up. It now switched just so for all your listeners, September 29th from 2 to 5 on Eastern Standard Time. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And what that really, that event's all about is you'll, you can come there. It's free to attend the event. We are going to talk about what this NFT is specifically and all the utility that will come along with it. But it's all being done in a metaverse because like some other projects that are out there trying to figure out how to, okay, we're going to raise money selling our NFT so that we could go build a metaverse. We have that metaverse. So our NFT that you pick up from America first, NFT.io, you can use that as your you know pass to go backstage, hang out and meet these leaders. But oh, in the long run, as you were just stating about what you could do going into the shopping malls, one of our goals will be to go through. Initially, we could create a United States mall, right. and mom and pops will be able to come in there and host their stores, but. Over time, we can actually create digital twins of local farmers markets, local malls, and that sort of thing. So yeah, it it really, what we'll be able to do is you'll get your own avatar-like person and you can operate in this metaverse world. The difference being though is we won't be managed and ran by the 
the large technocrats. We know, we all know there's this other big meta worse first mm-hmm. world that's out there. But one of the things that I was concerned with why we started going down this path is what if they said that no man's the only God in that metaverse, there will be no God. What if that happens? Well, they're already saying it. The World Economic Forum. I mean, you had Klaus Schwab literally justifying microchipping children. Yeah. Okay. This is exactly what they're saying. They live in a godless world. Okay. And that's the worship of Satan, the devil, however we want to look at it. That's a worship of evil. When you look at just the materiality of the world and say that's all there is. Um, And you're right. Is When we start getting into this, um, you know, I want to know. Is as this this project that you guys are doing evolves, and I'm not going to lie, you guys have a lot of experience behind it, as well as a lot of backers, a lot of really uh, a, a lot of people coming in to fund this project that are a lot very of different industries too. Yeah, a lot of different industries too, and there's a lot of room for expansion. And with that is. There's an, there's an aspect of earning money with these NFTs. There's an aspect of uh, bringing in art and taking that art and utilizing it in the metaverse to where people re- earn revenue from this art. Absolutely. Yeah, so probably some of your listeners might be familiar with a platform called OpenSea. Mm-hmm. So our platform not only allows you to host your own web 2.0, web 3.0 integrated platform, but you'll also be able to launch your own NFT. Uh, like, let's say you, you want to sell NFTs with your t-shirts. So you can do that. But let's say you're an artist. That's a great point that you bring up. Our platform would allow you to create your art, load it up as a non-fungible token to our platform and have your own storefront right there and sell digital unique one-of-a-kind pieces of art (laughs) and yeah we we have not just the ability for anyone to come on now and start to to create a little business for themselves but also the person themselves will become a business because our our goal is that by digitally twinning you and i think i still got another phone beeping over here so once there's a copy of you and we've created private data over you that data can be analyzed and tracked and then that's a value to anyone that's in our system willing to to pay marketing dollars so normally marketing dollars they go to facebook and they say you know what i want to market to josh i got all his data so they pay facebook and our system though there's an opportunity to through analytics to create a match between someone who's selling maybe they're selling lamborghinis and someone who's buying buying Lamborghinis and actually use a point system to incentivize people to come and do business with them. Now, what's interesting though, let's say you're on the market for a car. It could be a Lamborghini, it could be a Toyota, it could be anything really, whatever car, any of the new cars, but you could quite possibly have all the marketing companies starting to crowdfund your purchase. Right. That's the reality. Where they, where they become competitive to your data. That's right. Um, yep. And this is, uh, it's a great concept and idea. Um, and yeah, I mean, Pammy Pam Pam said here, I think the, this is really where things are headed. Ready player one. And where the uh, IOI 
is the one that owned the data. That's what they really owned, and that's how they made that much money and enslaved people is by truly owning the data. And in this sense is we want to allow people to own the, their own data and be able to brokerage that out to other people. So fantastic. Man. So, so tell me where the, you guys are going to be at the Reckoning Fest this weekend. Yeah. If we're going to be at the Reckoning Fest, that should be a good time, hopefully, uh, to meet some of the other uh, people that have the same kinds of ideas. And we'll show them, you know, part of my job is to get out there and help demystify technology. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people are afraid of what's coming around artificial intelligence. Some people are afraid of crypto, but I can tell you that knowledge is power, right? If we can teach people what these things really mean for them, that's our goal. Get the community involved and show them how to leverage that stuff for themselves. That's what we think is critical. Yep. Absolutely. And guys, by the way, David is one of our audience members. He watches this show all the time. Oh, man. Yeah. All the time. Known him for well over a year now and uh, become a good friend. And and yeah, uh, this is a great project. If you know, I do teach a crypto mastermind and I would not sit here and tell you that this wasn't a good project unless... I'm telling you that this is where things are headed and this is where things are going. And look, I know there's a lot of people out there like, ah, this isn't for me. I get that. And it's a hard transition to what is happening in the world of the digital transition, right? And we kind of had the information sector of the world transition from hard book and analog into the digital world. And that took 20 years to do, Okay. And now we're starting this migration from the currency into fiat and analog money, right? The SWIFT system, these types of things, into digital money. And this is probably going to take 5, 10, 15, 20 years to really um, get integrated directly into society. And a lot of things can happen in that time. And that's why it's critical for these projects that are coming up to compete with these globalists. Excuse me these projects that are rising up to, to get the support that they need from large communities. And that's why David's going to be at the Reckoning Fest. He's going to be talking about America First NFT. He's going to be talking about Crypto World Vault. He's going to be talking about these ideas and these concepts. I'm going to be helping him, introducing to him a lot of uh, the podcasters out there because you guys know I love crypto and you guys know I understand crypto very well. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and play this video real quick, David. Just a short little video here, guys. And that's what this is about, is that 
if we allow the globalists to rule, dominate, and control, have the authority over the new financial system that's being brought about, then we lose. It's another hundred years of slavery, of the Federal Reserve, of taxes, of, of corruption. But if we make a stand and we begin to take this back, we begin to bring the power of money back to us, of where this money has a legitimate backing, very much similar to gold and silver. Actually, a lot of what you guys are doing is working with gold and silver, working with real tangible assets as a backing for your corporation. I think that is the genius thing that is happening here because this isn't just some digits and numbers on a software program sitting on a server. That that is actually backed by tangible, valuable, real assets, which means that when you go in here and you actually utilize these platforms that David's creating is that you're you're buying a cryptocurrency when this arrives, right? When it arrives, that is actually backed by something tangible. You could go trade it in if you want. If it's artwork, if it's uh, jewelry, if it's gold, if it's silver, whatever it might be. And so there's this tangibility aspect to it, which makes it just as valuable as these BRICS nations currencies they have that are gold and silver backed. So, absolutely. Yep, that's a much deeper conversation. We'll have to have one of these times. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely, absolutely, awesome. Well, David, I appreciate your time tonight. Um, we're gonna definitely have you back on. Uh, thank you so much for coming. I'm gonna see you this weekend at the Reckoning Fest. I'll be there Friday afternoon, so I'll I'll hit you up when we get there, and awesome. we can take it from there. Everybody else, guys, we're gonna just take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more of the Red Pill Project's Daily Dose. All right. Thanks a lot, Josh. Pill Project. Oh, the music's still going. We are back with the Red Pill Project's Daily Dose, and that was the last of Mohicans Premonitory, the main theme song. And that, uh, if you don't know where that's from, well, go out and watch the last of the Mohicans. But if you don't know who posted it and why it's so important, the Patriots fight back. Daniel Day Lewis makes his attack. This is like one of the greatest movies, and that song's playing when he's just going crazy. So. Um, I wanted to play that because today is Patriots fight back. And, and, you know, for a Monday, we had a lot of cool stuff happening today. Not going to lie. If you watched uh, Joe Bowman, he just gave a completely insane post-fight interview 
um, after his oh, UFC me... fight the other day. Check, take a look at this. This is freaking epic. Check this out. This is after the UFC fight this last Saturday. So all those doubting my NFT, you're looking at the guy. That's the reason that college athletes and high school athletes are getting paid today. Mr. Influencer to Influencers. Secondly, Jimmy Kimmel, viral this. I fight to eradicate childhood malnutrition from the planet. And until they release the flight logs, you, the mainstream media, Hollywood, are all pedophiles to me. Eat dick. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Yeah, you know what? The world is waking up. And you know what? The beautiful thing is, is we have this level of UFC, Dana, Dana White, right? Joe Rogan that are the anti-woke crowd. We have these people that people are looking up to, these fighters, and they're coming out like, dude, I'm a fighter, and you know what? Fuck you, Fauci. Fuck you, Biden. Right? You guys are pedophiles. So when we look at what's happening in the world, dude, it's the great awakening. Just remember that. It's the great awakening. Um, at the end of the show, towards the end of the show, there's I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about uh, a gentleman by the name of Alexandra Dugan, and this is critically important to understand because I dug up something on Alexandra Dugan. Um, it's not really a dug up, but basically anything that you see in the Western world about Alexandra Dugan is complete bullshit, complete and utter bullshit. Just understand that. Um, but we'll get to that at the, so this is going to give you that incentive to stay till the end, watch till the end, because this is going to get good. And it's about the great awakening. So we'll get into that here in just a few minutes. Um, but what are we talking about here? Look at this. Nearly 75% of Americans think the U S is headed in the wrong direction under Joe Biden and more than half were a country's best years are in the past. An NBC poll has shown, and not only this guys, listen to this. This is the first time in NBC's history. They do this poll every year. The first time that it's ever been over 70%. First time. Okay? It also found that more than half of the 1,000 respondents feel worried that America's best years may be behind it. Among the respondents, main concerns was the economy with 68% saying they think the country is already in a recession despite Biden's claims. A total, the poll found 55% of Americans disapprove of the job of the president is doing, while just 42% approve. Now, the 74% of Americans, here's the, here's the interesting thing. This is over-sustaining for over one year. So they've done this poll like every month, 12 months in a row, and each month with a new 1,000 people, it's consistently over 70%. Dude, people are waking up in mass troves. And listen, if you find anybody out there who voted for Biden, who loves Biden, uh, if you go Trump or Biden, Trump or Biden, they go Biden, you'd be like, why? They'd be like, fuck Trump. You'd be like, why? Because he's a criminal. What'd he do? Uh, I want to talk to you. That, that's like the responses that you're getting with the people that actually support Joe Biden. Um, 
Roxy said, no way, Josh, didn't you hear the Democrats are actually winning in the polls? No, actually, I disagree with that. Um, I, I think that what we're seeing here is a mass awakening. This is why last week we had panic in D.C. This is why today we have Patriots fight back. Listen, they can't hide it anymore. Game, set, match. The only way that they can win this next election is if they steal it. And if they steal it, you're going to have 120, 130 million people gone. Not today, Karen. Not happening today, Karen. One thing that we have to watch out, though, for as the upcoming days, weeks, and months occur towards the midterm. I've talked about this relentlessly. As the Democrats, the deep state, the cabal get more and more threatened from the progression of their agenda because of the Great Awakening versus the Great Reset, you have to increase the amount and level of chaos within the system. Okay? And one of the things that they utilize to bring about that chaos is false flag events. And so we saw this today. Uh, explosive detonated after bomb scare forced evacuations at federal courthouse in West Virginia. All right. Uh, we just saw last week that uh, there was uh, explosive found outside of like, uh, I think it was a teacher's union or something like that. The other part of this is the economy and what's happening with the economy. Look at this one. U.S. natural gas prices hit 14-year record high. 14-year record high. That's not good, especially when gas prices have been coming down. Um, moving away from the economy, I thought we had one more in the economy. There it is. Uh, oops, German benchmark electricity price jumped 25% on money to pass 700 pounds per megawatt hour for the first time. This level is about 14 times the seasonal average. 14 times the seasonal average over the past five years. Wow. What else have we got? Joe Biden's America. 50% of employers expect job cuts in the next 6 to 12 months. According to a recent PWC survey of 722 U.S. executives, CNBC reported, 52% of employers will likely institute a hiring freeze and 44% will rescind job offers. Many companies have announced layoffs in recent weeks and others have hinted that cuts may be coming. Luckily, there are steps workers can take to prepare. Yeah, go self-employed. Um, of this, Best Buy, Ford Motor Company, HBO, Peloton, Shopify, Remax, Walmart, Wayfair are among the firms announced layoffs in recent weeks. Man, I got that theme song in my head. <laughs> doodaloo, 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 doodaloo. All right, court rules taxpayers can sue the IRS for violating constitutional rights on data collection. Oh boy, here we go. Here we go. I was just talking about taxes. Taxes are, uh, yeah. I think taxes uh, need to be eradicated. Flat tax on everything you buy, eradicate income taxes and capital gains taxes and inheritance taxes. The First Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals just issued a ruling that taxpayers will be able to take the IRS to court for violating their rights with data collection. The court ruled that the U.S. District Court for the District of New Hampshire was wrong to dismiss the court challenge based on the alleged lack of jurisdiction. 
Until now, the IRS has prevented federal courts from allowing any significant challenge to the IRS data collection practices. A three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the First Circuit has unanimously ruled in Harper v. Rettig that taxpayer James Harper can take the Internal Revenue Service to federal court for gathering private financial information about his use of virtual currency from third-party exchanges without a lawful subpoena. Whoa. We're just talking about this. IRS has, until now, successfully prevented federal courts from asserting jurisdiction over significant constitutional challenges to the agency's unlawful data collection practices. The First Circuit ruled that the U.S. District Court for the District of New Hampshire erred in its March 2021 decision granting IRS's motion to dismiss Mr. Harper's Fourth and Fifth Amendment challenge based on alleged lack of jurisdiction. The court... The district court did not have the benefit of the Supreme Court's May 2021 decision in the CIC Services LLC versus IRS, which conducted that the Anti-Injunction Act, AIA, does not prohibit a suit seeking to set aside an information reporting requirement that is backed by both civil tax penalties and criminal penalties. Mr. Harper's suit, which seeks to set aside IRS's illegal information gathering, is likewise not a suit brought to enjoin a tax assessment or collection, so it is not subject to the AIA's limitations on court jurisdiction. In other words, he can sue the living shit out of the IRS for violating his Fourth Amendment right. And, you know, isn't it interesting that we're talking about Fourth Amendment rights, and what is Donald Trump doing today? Uh-huh. We're going to get into that here in just a few seconds. Let's get through a few other parts of this news. So, you know, this is what needs to happen is one of the checks and balances in the United States of America with the Constitution is the ability of the American citizen to get a redress of grievances from their government. And this is utilizing the court systems to go out there and and take action against unjust practices and laws that come about within legislation from the federal government. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm glad to see that the system actually works somewhere. All right. I wanted to see what Jester said. Uh, yeah, some guy got pissed at my grandma's bingo hall and tried to blow. What the hell? Bingo! You're second! Oh, you fucking... Yeah. <laughs> U.S. Marines have participated in a mass casualty exercise in Finland. The Department of Defense just announced. This isn't um, abnormal. Okay, Um, and I guarantee they were doing a nuclear preparation drill because of the heightened threat scenario that's occurring right now in Eastern Europe and the proximity of Finland to Russia, as well as Finland and Sweden, who are not NATO members yet, are talking with NATO about putting up a military defense shield against Russia in Finland and Sweden. And so, yeah, if we have American troops there, they're going to be doing these casual mass casualty drills. It's not uncommon, but uh, I I think that we're getting the hint and the sign is that they'll probably be doing these drills every day. Um, I don't have anything. um, I want. Oh, there we go. There we go. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I got I got to do this again. I got to do this again. Hold on. It's not going to work. Is that working? Can you guys hear that? No, you can't. Ah, oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, that's You're why. Fired. You're fired. There it is. I, I had the damn volume down. Okay. Fauci to step down by the end of the year. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> Donald Trump, you're fired. 
So Fauci stepping down at the end of the year. He announced that he's not going to be leaving most likely government, but he will be stepping down uh, from the head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, um, NIAID. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that this is interesting because the timing of it, okay, he'll be stepping down in December before the new Congress and Senate comes in in January. Now, think about that timing. Um, he's coming in, he's going to retire right after the midterm elections, right? So he hasn't retired yet and he's going to retire right after the midterm elections. Um, I disagree that he's dead yet. Um, we, 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 we actually covered, um, that what was it last week or the week before, uh, there's a guy out there, Michael Jaffin, also known as Michael Baxter. He runs a website called the real raw news and he has been the main and primary source of all the Gitmo execution, military tribunals in Gitmo um, news sources. And he is an Antifa dude, a Trump hater, and he created that website as a satire site to basically show how stupid and gullible Trumpers actually are. Um, and we covered that and exposed that a few weeks ago. Um, so I doubt uh, Fauci is dead and replaced with a clone. Just not my forte on that. And I think there's substantial evidence to show that that is a psychological warfare operation done through the left on uh, people within the truth community. Uh, but what did Rand Paul have to say about Fauci? Fauci's resignation will not prevent a full-throated investigation into the origins of the pandemic. He will be asked to testify under oath regarding any discussions he participated in in concerning the lab leak. Hmm. And I think that this was exactly what we're hitting at. Fauci's leaving in December, after the midterms, before the new Congress and Senate coming in January. Well, he's hoping that Joe Biden will grant him immunity before he leaves. And you know what? I guarantee you Joe Biden will. I guarantee you in December, Joe Biden, if when the Republicans win the House and the Senate, okay? When the Republicans win the House and the Senate, in December, Joe Biden's going to start issuing pardons. Hillary Clinton, Fauci, everybody is going to start issuing pardons. Watch. Who knows? Could be very, very truthful. Let's go in here. Key GOP senator presses feds for source of vaccine at military bases after whistleblower allegations. And so this is Senator Ron Johnson. Now, you have to get a little backstory on all this. If you remember... Um, attorney Todd Callender, who we've had on the show, Attorney Th Thomas Rents, who we've had on the show, Attorney Lee Dundas, who we've had on the show. Uh, we had Dr. Robert Malone, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, um, and many, many more went and testified in a Senate committee hearing with Senator Ron Johnson back in February of 2022. Um, you also had Lieutenant Commander uh, long there from Fort Rutger, you had uh, DOD whistleblowers that presented what's a, a project known as uh, Project Salus, which was a five-year medical study on the health of Army soldier sal or the of soldier sailors, airmen, um, and guardians. Of which the whistleblowers came forth because right after the vaccine started to be administered, they started seeing astronomical increases in various types of illnesses and diseases from cancers, death, stroke, heart disease, myocarditis, on and on and on. Now, 
I've been very, very critical of Senator Ron Johnson because this was back in February and still no progress has really been made in the forefront in getting this information from the DOD, holding the DOD accountable, holding uh, uh, Secretary Lloyd uh, Lloyd Austin accountable, holding Joe Biden, the commander in chief, uh, accountable for what's happening to our military, which is a massive vulnerability to the state of our military here in the United States of America, which is more most likely a biological weapons attack either by the cabal or by a foreign entity such as China. So when we start looking at this next part, we have to understand the context. The context was, and Ron Johnson has said this over and over and over again, that the approval of the vaccine for the military was only for the FDA Cominarty approved vaccine. Remember that. that. That is critical to understand. Why? Because Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin came out and said, I promise you, Senate and Congress, that the only vaccine that we're giving to our military is the FDA-approved Cominarty vaccine. That's it. And it's the only one that was authorized and given permission to the military to give to them by Joe Biden and by Congress. Okay, great. So uh, what's this all about? Senator Ron Johnson is pressing the Pentagon Food and Drug Administration and Centers for Disease Control and Prevention for answers after multiple whistleblowers raised concerns about the provenance of the Cominarty-labeled COVID-19 vaccine shipped to military bases. On Monday, nine military officers from across the branches sent a whistleblower report to Congress regarding the COVID vaccine appearing at Coast Guard medical clinics. Although labeled as Pfizer's fully FDA-approved Cominarty vaccine, the vaccine does not appear to have been manufactured in Belgium, as is legally required per its FDA approval letter. According to the whistleblowers, it may actually be Pfizer's BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine that's under emergency use authorization. They flip-flopped them. So what is Cominarty? Cominarty is a marketing package for Pfizer. That's all it is. Cominarty isn't a specific vaccine. It's actually three vaccines. There is the FDA, FDA approved um, Cominarty vaccine. And then there's the BioNTech COVID-19 vaccines one and two. Okay. Now, the BioNTechs are emergency use authorization only. Those are not FDA approved and have not been FDA approved. So if anybody's getting the BioNTech, they are getting the bioweapon. And just think, BioNTech, bioweapon, okay? BioNTech, bioweapon. Uh, the Cominarty vaccine, though, apparently is the one that, obviously, Trump developed through Operation Warp Speed that most people did not have a, a reaction to and that the adverse reactions were relatively low. So the only approved vaccine to give to our military was the Cominarty FDA approved vaccine. Ron Johnson called out Senator Lloyd Austin and said, you will be faced with Congress and legal allegations if this is what you guys really did because you lied to everybody. You lied to the military. And how about this? You want to know a statistic? How about this statistic? And this helps give credibility to what we're looking at right here with Ron Johnson coming forth on this one specifically. To this date... Records show, and this comes from Ron, Senator Ron Johnson, to this date, 
The number of military members vaccinated with the FDA-approved COMIN-RT vaccine sits at, sits at, you ready? You ready? Zero. Zero. None. They've all been given the BioNTech. Just like I said in 2020, that this was a biological attack, an act of war in the United States of America, and that's exactly what we're seeing happening right now. All right, keep on going. After data shows vaccinated at higher risk of dying from COVID, Canadian province ends monthly reports. <laughs> oh, God. After Manitoba, Canada Public Health Agency reported, reported data showing those fully vaccinated, not boosted, for COVID-19 are at a higher risk of dying from the virus compared to unvaccinated individuals, health officials stop reporting the data. Okay. There's a Federal Reserve report that comes out monthly pertaining to the state of the gross domestic product, of GDP growth. Um, they had done this report ever since the Fed Bank's founding back in 1913, every month. In August of 2021, they just decided to stop reporting it because COVID was too bad. But the Atlanta Fed Bank didn't get the memo. And they reported negative GDP growth and it caused shockwaves. This is the same thing. Is, hey, we're doing this report every week. Oh, no, the report shows that we screwed up and that we're liable for the death and murder. And, well, the adverse effects of many uh, that are going to cause prolonged health effects for the rest of their life. Oh, no, we might want to stop that. We might want to stop publishing that report that implicates our crimes Oops, sorry. Told you so. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but you know what? In actuality, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I agree with that. I agree. I agree. And this is from the Health Ranger. Mass vaccinations are responsible for one in 30 children now having autism. Th this is interesting. If you remember... Back in 79, I think it was 1 in 1,800 um, children would get autism. In the 1990s, it was 1 in 100. In the mid-2000s, it was like 1 in 80. Now it's 1 in 30. And uh, today, 1 in 30 children, or 3.49% of children aged 3 to 17 have some degree of autism. This is according to the latest data from 2020, which was gathered in 2019. This is not including any of the COVID-19 vaccine data. The U.S. National Health Interview Survey, NHIS, conducted a survey of 12,554 children, 410 of whom were discovered to have been diagnosed with autism. The overall prevalence of autism in 2019 was 2.79%, increasing to 3.49% in 2020, which represents a 53% increase since 2017, writes Dr. Joseph Mercola. The study also revealed that autism prevalence increased from 2014 to 2016, decreased 2016 to 2017, Donald Trump, and then increased 2017 to 2020. The stark rise in autism rates in the U.S. is difficult to ignore, but what's driving this remains a mystery. Mercola calls it mystery because the official story being dispensed by the government, we have been told over and over again that vaccines do not cause autism, but all available evidence points to the contrary. The one determining factor between all of these people is they're vaccinated. Is that they are 
vaccinated. Plain, pure, and simple. Um, earlier when I did this on the Dark Delight show and I talked about this, I actually brought up the Children's Health Defense Fund's survey that they did. They did an epidemiological study, peer-reviewed. Uh, for five years, they follow around non-vaccinated people, people who had never been vaccinated once in their life versus people who were vaccinated. And what they found out is that people who were not vaccinated had a 1% chance of heart disease, a 2% chance of cancer, okay? The people that were vaccinated had like an 87% chance of heart disease, 92% chance of cancer. That's how bad that difference is, is it kills your immune system. And now we know that this is exactly what they've been doing to us is they've been basically pumping us full as much shit as they possibly can to kill us slowly, to deplete our immune systems and kill us slowly. All right. Another one by uh, Natural News. This one's got some theme music. There's no running away. There'll be no one to save. Will the world in a grave? Take a look around you, boy. It's bound to scare you, boy. And you tell me over and over and over again, my friend, I don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like having buttons by my side. The mass calling of the human herd is now underway. Here's exactly how it's being accomplished to achieve mass extermination. And um, as comical as Mike Adams' headlines are, he, he's right. Globalist humanity is cattle or sheep will be exploited for as long as needed, then culled like cattle herds when they are no longer useful. As globalist advisor Yuval Harari is now saying, paraphrase, the age of humans is coming to an end on planet Earth. The globalists have activated a multifaceted plan to cleanse the planet of all human beings. If someone were to have some sick, twisted desire to kill off a herd of cattle, they could simply shut off the water and the food. Death would come in a matter of days or weeks at most. The same is happening right now to humans. The water supply is being cut off via geo geoengineering, causing global droughts and widespread crop failures. Entire cities like Los Angeles and Las Vegas are being threatened with a terminated water supply in the years ahead. That is absolutely true. The food supply is being decimated by cutting off fertilizer supplies and cutting diesel fuel prices to go sky high while also attacking the supply chain that supplies agricultural equipment parts. The result, the both water supplies and food supplies are being cut off. The human herd is being culled in some of the same ways a herd of cattle might be eliminated. Then we have vaccines are designed to kill gullible billions and starvation will get the rest. Excuse me. Um, yeah, it, it, it's quite unfortunate, right? It's quite unfortunate. <laughs> you're, you're about to be killed by a Zamboni. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Zamboni of of dehydration, malnu malnutrition, and uh, you know decreased immunity, <laughs> AIDS. 
Ah, well, here's uh, maybe a, a glimmer of hope here then. Lawsuits coming for entities that don't change COVID mandates after CDC update. Entities with COVID-19 vaccine mandates that don't pay heed to the new Center for Disease Control and Prevention's guidance will face lawsuits, a civil liberty lawyer says. We don't have we don't have a new lawsuit in the works yet, but if we see that colleges and universities or public employers are not responding to the new CDC guidance the way that they should be, then we would see we would certainly tee up a new lawsuit. Mark Chenoweth, president and general counsel of the New Civil Liberties Alliance, told the Epoch Times. Their response to the updated guidance should be um, at a minimum living the ma- lifting the mandates of people who have recovered from COVID-19, he added. Such people have a high level of protection against severe illness and death, according to the number of studies. Many studies indicate that protection is higher than that of COVID-19 vaccines, including one study funded by the CDC. Uh, What I see here, instead of getting really much into it, is there is going to be lawsuits. There is going to be major litigation, major litigation against employers, against businesses, Against the government, it's coming, people. It's coming. I assure you, it's coming. That there's no way that this country, the society, continue on like this. It's either going to collapse in a fiery chaos, or there's going to be justice. Post-2409, I don't know. K-12 teachers in Texas are being urged to take this LGBTQIA plus training on the taxpayer's dime. Here's the course materials they are given to brainwash students. Be a beacon out youth supporting the LGBTQIA plus youth 101. What do we got here? Danisha Almonte. She, her, hers. She's got some other titles over here. Summer Ho. That, that, that's, uh, she should change her name. Summer Ho. Who is out? And they're talking about transgender wellness, Texas, Central Texas Transgender Health Coalition, right? Learning objectives, define concepts related to gender identity and sexual orientation, name risk and protective factors for LGBTQIA plus youth, identify ways to improve mental health outcomes for LGBTQIA plus gender questionnaire. What is a boy? What is a girl? How do you know? Well, there was this movie back in the 90s with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it called Kindergarten Cop. And in the movie, the the young kid, I think his name was Adam, talks about the best way to identify a boy and a girl. Okay? And he says, boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. I mean, right? Like... Pretty simple stuff. Gender questionnaire. When does a person know that they are a boy or a girl? Um, when they're born and they're, they have genitals or their DNA represents either an XX or an XY. Are you male or are you female? How do you know? Um, you look in your pants. That, that's the best. Do you pee standing up or do you pee sitting down? Quiz number one. What makes a boy a boy? What makes a girl a girl? Their biology, their, their genitals. I'm pretty, pretty sure that's what it is, is boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. 
How do you know you are a male or female? I, I just said it there that boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. I mean, th these are pretty easy questions. I don't, I don't, my kids would get it right. What thoughts or feelings come up for you when you asked yourself these questions? Um, I, I, I thought about, I thought about, well, I don't want to tell you guys what I really thought about on that one. I thought that these questions were kind of stupid because I think we all know how to identify a boy and a girl. Case study. A 14-year-old youth who recently asked to be called Ronnie, not Veronica, discloses to a young, uh, to you, a desire to go by they pronouns. Ronnie wants to cut their hair short, but isn't sure how their parents will react, making them feel anxious. Ronnie's also stressed because, well, they have been dating Julie and came out as a lesbian in seventh grade. They have started to have feelings for Ted, who identifies as a male. And this is confusing for them. Well, fuck, it's confusing for me, too. Shit. Ronnie, who used to be Veronica, who came out as a lesbian dating Julie, now likes Ted, but she's now Ronnie. So she's still gay, just gay on the other side, but yet still has only fe female gender um, genitalia. I, I don't fucking know what's going on with that either. Meow, meow. The hell? Uh, seriously. This one's an easy one. Get Ronnie to a psychotherapist. To a psychologist, someone that Ronnie or Veronica, whatever they want to identify on, can talk to. Because they've obviously had a large influence of psychological warfare in their fucking life and sexual, physical, mental, and spiritual trauma. Get Ronnie, Veronica, they, some help. That's what I would say from this. This, this is pretty, this is what they're doing to our children, guys. This, this is intersectionality. In order to best support and serve folks in the LGBTQ ABCD community, we cannot ignore how other identities, including race, this slash ability, culture, religion, socioeconomic status, and lots of other factors play a role in adding to the experience of discrimination and oppression. Well, typically that's just socioeconomic. Um, yeah. Time to thrive. Okay. Quiz number three. What is... I, I just... If you guys want to find this, this is on the Gateway Pundit. Uh, look, no white people. Uh, <laughs> this world's going woke, and it's sad. Th this is getting bad. This is, ooh, they got ooh, they got online references. We're gonna have to visit these websites later. We're gonna do that tomorrow. Let, let's, guys, why don't we visit these websites tomorrow in the after dark chat? Will that be fun? Um, just, just so we. Um, just so we know, okay? I gotta, I gotta play this. No animals, snowflakes, or vaccinated people were hurt in the making of this video. Liberal tears not included. Okay, j just so we know. Oh, man, I thought I had a good one here. I thought I had a good one. I was hoping I had that other one here. I gotta get it. I got the Spaceballs one, but I gotta put it on here. The asshole Spaceballs, I love that. All right. Parents say they've been harassed, stalked, and doxxed for criticizing school boards. Wow. Isn't this interesting? Parents from several states say they've been harassed online, stalked, doxxed, and reported to their employees for criticizing school boards about what they see as a tectonic shift from reading, writing, arithmetic to the promotion of radical political and social ideas, along with extreme COVID-19 policies in the last couple of years. 
And so it goes on to give examples. Moms Against Liberty is one of the groups and organizations. Moms for Liberty, sorry, not Against for Liberty. And maybe we should reach out to her, Jennifer Darlin, and get her on. That'd be cool. I'd like to talk to her. Uh, but yeah, they're they're talking about various different moms and fathers who have been doxxed and harassed for simply speaking out. And these are typically the ones that go viral on social media. Um, absolutely sad that people would do this, but then you got that whole thing of uh, swatting. Whoa, God, that's even getting bad too. Man, I just, I just heard that leftist, the one leftist on YouTube just got swatted. And so it's going back and forth on both sides. I, uh, I don't want anything to do with that. Lost all my guns in a voting accident. Love everybody. Paul Pelosi-linked businesses has millions in PPP loan forgiven. The Paycheck Protection Program created to help small businesses survive the pandemic by doiling out loans to help them retain employees has been a bonanza for companies linked to the rich and famous, according to the news reports. The website ProPublica has amassed a searchable database of the loans, which media outlets have been exploring to find out how many rich recipients will never have to pay back a dime. The trick is not uh, to know the corporate names of businesses in which the rich and famous people either operate or have a share in. Paul Pelosi, the husband of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, has an 8.1% share in a company called EDI Associates, according to the UK Daily Mail. The restaurant company received loans of more than $1.7 million from the federal government, which won't have to be repaid, according to the Daily Mail. That's right. What fucking criminals? EDI Associates was given two loans, one for $711,708 and the other for $996,392. As the database shows, both loans have been forgiven. As noted by the Daily Mail, the decision to forgive a loan is based upon the formula that takes into account the number of employees retained and their wages. Wow. You know, it's going to be a great day when judgment comes down for these corrupt an evil son of a bitches. I, I'm serious, right? Like, absolutely serious, right? I can't wait. And if it doesn't come soon enough, then you know what we got? Can't even get my hat on right. That's right. <laughs> I got my fuck Biden hat. That's that's why I put it on. If you didn't see it. You guys haven't seen Oh no. What happened? There we are. Recording in progress. I hit the wrong button. Recording stopped. I hit the wrong button. Oh no, ma. I hit the wrong button. Ah <laughs> oh, shit. You guys having fun yet? You guys having fun yet? I'm having fun. I hope you're having fun. I'm having fun. All right. <laughs> Listen, you got to have a little bit of fun every once in a while. For those who are listening on the audio version, I threw my fuck Biden hat on backwards and I screwed it all up and then I hit a button and closed out my Zoom window. But uh, I'm back now. I'm back now. This is fun. FBI Detroit chief during a bungled Whitmore plot sting now runs DC, off DC office raided by Mar-a-Lago. You can't make this shit up. 
Stephen D'Antuano ran the Detroit field office when the trial testimony alleges it instigated, encouraged, and facilitated what the government charges was a plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And we know during this time, Gretchen Whitmer was under heavy scrutiny. Have we forgot about this? Remember Cuomo? Remember Whitmer? They killed all those old people in the old folks' homes, and then after they killed them, they used their names to vote for them in those states? <clears throat> yeah, I remember this, Gretchen Whitmer. You sicko. But uh, if you remember what happened, is these guys had this kidnapping plot to go out there and kidnap Whitmer. Uh, turns out that every single person that was a part of the planning to kidnap Whitmer was an FBI agent. The guys who brought it up and suggested it were FBI agents. The guys who funded it and started planning the whole thing were FBI agents. The only guys arrested that weren't FBI agents were dudes who were just like, what are you guys doing? I don't want to do this. I don't want anything to do with this. Why are you guys doing this? And the FBI arrests him because that's how the FBI works. What's up, Badaksa? What's up, Badaksa? <sighs> FBI. FBI. Another part of this. Okay? So, now, that group that did this, so, that group, not the group, most of the guys were part of the Russiagate investigation that have gone to this D.C. field office that just took part in the Mar-a-Lago raid. But, the guy who ran the Detroit field office, guess where he was? Oh, he's in charge of the D.C. field office that just ran the Mar-a-Lago raid. So the guys that, basically the FBI who set up the guys to kidnap Whitmer, okay, as well as the ones who ran the Russiagate investigation, were all at the same D.C. field office that went against Trump. I, I mean, come on. Does it have to be any more obvious? This is what we call a deep state. That's it. Right there. Hey, I want to do this one. God dang it, Bobby. <laughs> God dang it, Bobby. Judge formally rejects Justice Department's plea to keep entire Trump raid affidavit seal, uh, um, sealed. This originally was interesting. Um, so Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt on Monday formally rejected the Justice Department's plea to keep sealed the entire affidavit used for the search warrant to former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. In the filing money, Monday morning, Reinhardt, who originally approved the warrant, said he rejects the government's argument that the present record justifies keeping the entire affidavit under seal. And he had actually given the Biden administration quite a few days to go ahead and do the retractions, but says ultimately that it's going to be released. Well, Blaze TV came out and they said that's not necessarily what's happening here. Judge Reinhardt's ruling to consider the release a Trump affidavit, not the victory you think. The footnote reveals why. Um, according to the Blaze, the government has made the case that this document should remain sealed in order to preserve the integrity of the FBI's current investigation. However, Reinhardt disagreed. Going on to suggest the high-profile nature of the case suggested that public interest might just outweigh the interests of the Justice Department. I find that on the present record of government has not met its burden of showing that the entire affidavit should remain sealed. The judge then went on to provide the government with a deadline of next Thursday to file with his court. It's proposed redactions along with legal memorandum set forth the justification for the proposed redactions. 
Attorney Harmeet Dillon made an appearance on Fox News where she explained her belief that the affidavit is never really going to be seen by the general public. I think you're going to see virtually nothing after the redactions are presented to the judge, she stated during the interview. I think that the judge will take a look and see whether he agrees with the redactions or not, and then there will be some back and forth. Ultimately, though, what we are seeing here is not some sort of outrageous change of behavior by the DOJ. The attorney went on to explain, this is actually their existing way that they deal with requests like this. They typically stonewall. They typically hold all the cards. They never want to show a target or a defendant what they have. And they are very rarely held accountable, including magistrate judges. And so basically they're saying is Judge Reinhardt comes out and goes, I disagree with the Biden administration. I'm going to give you three days to make your redactions. And all they have to do is take a black marker and just redact everything. Hmm. Man, we lost a lot of people when I, when I jumped off the, man, but you guys don't like my comedy guys don't like my comedy. You know, we had the battle of the streams going on. I wanted to say thank you, Gump, out there, $5 and Rumble. Between 2,000 mules and watching Selection Code, I've determined Colorado is compromised as the rel- as the rest. I agree, Gump. You're 100% correct. Colorado is compromised. I live here. <laughs> and I'll tell you straight up, it's freaking compromised. Uh, thanks for everybody participating in the battle of the streams. You guys are absolutely awesome between DLive, Rumble, and Pilled. Um, I don't have the list, but uh, once Vince gets back, we'll we'll get those lists updated. Just really hard for me to the the do that and, and talk and laugh at the same time. Let's go to see what uh Cash Tell Cash Patel has to say with the great one, Mark Levine. There really is no reason for any of this drama to be taking place with Donald Trump, with Mar a Largo, with classified, unclassified documents of any kind. Is there the government is treating Donald Trump like he's some kind of a street criminal? You're absolutely right. And look, from my days leading the Russiagate investigation up through the January 6th nonsense to Ukraine impeachment one, we have the same rinse repeat operation by the Democrats or the radical left in the media. They want to hide the corruption of the FBI and DOJ. And public enemy number one has always been Donald Trump. And he's been exonerated every single time by the facts. But we'd have to fight hard for those facts. We had to fight redactions for those facts in Russiagate. And now we're facing the same battle. Battles come this farcical raid operation that the DOJ and the FBI is running as part of a political operation instead of basing these matters in law enforcement and fact like we used to do. So let's keep this simple. You've talked about this before. Let's give as an example this January 6th. Now, why do I want to do that? Because you were an eyewitness to a meeting. You were in a meeting with the President of the United States in the Oval Office with several other individuals. You were in that meeting when the President of the United States brought up the National Guard. I want you to be very specific about what the president said and how that came to be. Yeah, Mark, it's one of those meetings you don't really forget. You're in the Oval Office with the president, the secretary of defense, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the chief of staff to the president of the United States discussing sensitive national security operations unrelated to Jan 6. And then the president shifts to January 6th and the events surrounding it. This is two, three days before. And he says, hey, guys, do we have enough security posture to assist law enforcement? I'm paraphrasing. 
And he said, as the commander-in-chief, you have my authorization for up to 20,000 National Guards men and women. Our response to SECDEF and I, roger that, sir. The chain of command was instigated. But as you know, the law requires a request from local authorities, Bowser and the Capitol Police. We went to them that very day, and they said no in writing. It took us a year and a half to get those documents out. And I think that's what you're referring to. The truth is always going to be the truth, but the mainstream media... And the radical left Democrats are going to try to bury it just like they're doing in terms of this raid and in terms of masking the information behind the Mar-a-Lago raid. Well, and that's exactly it, is the FBI is doing a cover-up operation for the Biden administration, for the DOJ, for everything. But you know what? Liz Cheney's gone. Uh, we have multiple people in the Senate and Congress retiring the Republicans are on their way to a red wave. This is going to get epic. I'm telling you, I have a really good feeling about this. The problem is, is that they fight back against everything that we're doing, right? And so Patriots fight back. Is We're getting ready to take a stand, people. It's, get, it's happening. We're getting ready to take the stand. Trump files motion seeking to prevent DOG, DOJ access to Mar-a-Lago records until special master appointed. Former President Donald Trump has filed a motion seeking the federal judge to bar the Justice Department from viewing documents seized at his Mar-a-Lago residence two weeks ago until a third-party watchdog can be appointed. Excuse me. The first court motion from the Trump legal team since FBI raid on the former president's residence. Two attorneys sought the appointment of a special master or more detailed list of inventory taken and the return of any items seized that were not within the scope of the search warrant. As well as Donald Trump today... Um, has filed a Fourth Amendment lawsuit on the FBI. We have just filed a motion in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida strongly asserting my rights, including under the Fourth Amendment of our Constitution, regarding the unnecessary, unwarranted, and un-American break-in by dozens of FBI agents and others of my home, Mar-a-Lago, Palm Beach, Florida. Really interesting right there. And uh, I wanted to check that out real quick. I wanted to, I wanted to see... Wanted to see something real quick. I gotta check this out. I gotta check this out. Sorry. I'm gonna try to be as fast. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yep, that that's what I thought. Let's go in here and take a look at this. There there are some correlations today. So Donald Trump here is talking about courts, his rights, Fourth Amendment. Our Constitution regarding unnecessary, unwarranted, and un-American break-ins by dozens of FBI agents. Okay. Um, you go on to read this, which you can't read like that, neither can I. Uh, we are now demanding the Department of Justice be instructed to immediately stop the review of the documents illegally seized by my home. All documents have been previously declassified. What is he talking about? He's talking about crossfire hurricane documents. He's talking about everything that pertains to... Russia, Russia, Russia gate, right? Timestamp, 1745. You got to add two hours onto that, right? Two hours onto that. Look at this. 1745. FISA started immediate conference of legal action signers. Immediate conference signed a Hussein spy campaign to rig an election based on false information. Implicates HRC, Democratic parties as feeders. This is it. FISA brings down the house. What was Donald Trump trying to release and declassify in that information? Who got the FISA warrants? Who's bringing up the FISA warrants? What was the evidence pertaining to the FISA warrants? Look at that. Matching timestamp. Boom, boom. Love it. 
Okay, well, do we have another matching timestamp? I think we do. Donald Trump posted this a little earlier on, uh, this was at 1758. I'm going to check this one out. It's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries. And then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. So we're supposed to protect you against Russia, but they're paying billions of dollars to Russia. And I think that's very inappropriate. And the former chancellor of Germany is the head of the pipeline company that's supplying the gas. Uh, ultimately, Germany will have almost 70 percent of their country controlled by Russia with natural gas. So you tell me, is that appropriate? I mean, we've, I've been complaining about this from the time I got in. It should have never been allowed to have happened. But Germany. So that was Donald Trump, and that was at a NATO conference where he basically calls out Germany and says, F you, you guys are going to get screwed because of this. And sure enough, they did. Now, that timestamp was uh, 1558. And what's interesting is maybe there's a correlation, maybe there's not. Okay? But QPO 1758 is, this is not a game. And he's right, it's not. We're talking about on a global scale. We're talking about Russia and Europe war. This is not a game. And then we have the John Brennan tweet, a wrong-headed protectionist policies. Uh, your wrong-headed protectionist policies and antics are damaging our global standing as well as our national interest. Your worldview does not represent American ideas. To allies and friends, be patient. Mr. Trump is a temporary aberration. To America, uh, you once knew will return. Okay. So they're talking. To, he's talking about Donald Trump's G7 and and Putin or uh, G7 and Trudeau. Um, he will not be pushed around the world. And so this is interesting because John Brennan's talking about his wrong-headed protectionist policies and antics are damaging our global standing as well as our national interest. And then Trump goes ahead and posts this on that timestamp of him calling out Germany about exactly that, about what the fuck are you doing, Germany? You need to go energy independent. You can't be relying on this. This is going to backfire on you. And Germany laughed and scoffed at him. So I absolutely, I think, 100% a, a, a cue reference there. Uh, Trump says FBI agents are furious at leadership over political weaponization. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead. I, I, there's a few more stories here. I'm just going to read the headlines of these ones so you guys can kind of get these news updates. But I want to get to Alexandra, uh, uh, Alexandra over here. World Economic Forum suggests there are solid, rational reasons for children to be microchipped. No, there's not. Absolutely not. There's, there's no reason for any human being to be microchipped. Not doing their bond villain reputation status any favors, the World Economic Forum published an article suggesting it would be a solid, rational move for children to be implanted with microchips. Yes, really. The idea is promoted in a blog post on the Davos Elite's website, which discusses the future of augmented reality and augmented society. As scary as chimp implants, implants may sound, they form part of natural evolution that wearables once underwent. Hearing aids or glasses no longer carry a stigma. The article argues perhaps forgetting the glasses and hearing aids aren't embedded inside of your body, nor they can't be controlled by outside forces. They are accessories or even considered as a fashion items. Likewise, implants will evolve into a commodity 
writes Science at Kathleen Phillips, suggesting that mainstream culture and influencers will be tapped to promote implantable chips as a trendy status symbol. Um, I don't know what fucking world she lives on, but that ain't the world I'm living in. Um, well, this is interesting. Senior Ukrainian intelligence official found dead. And this was just today that this is happening. Well, that's interesting because what happened this weekend? Russia blames Ukraine for weekend car bombing that killed daughter of Putin's brain. Daria Dugina was reportedly under, already under sanctions by the U.S. Britain for spreading disinformation about Ukraine. And she was blown up in a car bomb this week. Now, who is she? She is the daughter of this guy, Alexander Dugan. Now, if you go to his Wikipedia page, you're going to see that Alexander Dugan, a political philosopher, analyst, and strategist, known for his fascist views, okay? Um, he was born into a military family. Dugan was an anti-communist dissent during the 1980s. He was an anti-communist, but now he's a fascist. That doesn't make any sense. He was a member of the National Bolshevism uh, Party, as well as a few other neo-urinationism in the 90s, the National Bolshevism Party is very similar to the political infrastructure today existent within Germany, which is a socialist party. Now, I started doing a little bit of research on him, okay? Because this is Vladimir Putin's mentor. And sure enough, there's this great article out there about him. You want to know what the article's called? The Great Reset and the Great Awakening. That's right. The Great Reset and the Great Awakening. Now, I'm just going to type in the Great Awakening because I want to skip to the good stuff. So, the question asked to him, during the protests at Capitol in Washington, you used the term Great Awakening as an antithesis to the Great Reset. What do you mean by that? Listen to what he says right here. Does this sound like a socialist, a communist, a Marxist? Listen to what he says. The Great Awakening is a term used spontaneously by American protesters with Alex Jones and all the others. That was a concept that was born just recently when the American people became more conscious of the true demonic nature of the globalists. That concerns first of all Americans that were under the illusion that everything was going more or less well and that the Democrat and Republicans inside the United States represented two wings of the same liberal democracy. The great awakening for them was the discovery that behind the mask of the Democratic Party was something totally different, a kind of coup d'etat orchestrated by globalists, maniacs, and terrorists. They are ready to apply all kinds of totalitarian measures against the American people. That had been inconceivable and impossible before. It started with Trump during the four years of his presidency and climaxed in the election fraud, the stolen election, which was a clear picture of what is the, what is the Great Awakening. It is the understanding of the real nature of the reset of the globalists. The American people were hidden inside the American system, and now there are two completely different things. The American population, Trumpists and normal Americans, or the globalist America. And that is exactly the dividing line between the Great Reset and the Great Awakening. Wow. Then he asks, does the Great Awakening only have meaning for American patriots or also for us? 
Whereas it is foremost about American patriots on the wave of the growing protests in the United States, we could compare the universal meaning of the Great Reset with a possible universal meaning of the Great Awakening. Because the Great Reset is the summary of many civilizational tendencies that have been prepared in previous centuries. It is not just the evil will, will of some group of idiots. No, it is the accumulation of negative results of stages of modern, uh, modernity. That is the negation of human nature, the creation of technical tools that become step-by-step the masters and stops being the tools. So when the tool becomes the master, that changes everything. That is a singularity moment. This alienation and the loss of human identities step-by-step, starting with the religious identity, with this ongoing um, nominalism, with the pretend, which pretends to destroy all kinds of collective identity. Now it is the approach of the loss of human identity. You are still allowed to be human. It is optional. Tomorrow being a human will, be, will mean the same as being a Trumpist or fascist and so on. This is a very serious process, and that is the Great Reset. Does this guy sound like a Marxist to you? This is Putin's mentor. We're going to touch more on Alexandra Dugan in a lot of this tomorrow. We ran out of time tonight, but guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, as a reminder, America First NFTs, NFT.io, the link is in the chat. I think I might actually still have the link here. There it is. If you guys are interested in purchasing one of those NFTs, you can check that out there. Uh, much appreciated for everybody um, for the Battle of the Streams. You guys are awesome. Uh, appreciate you all. You guys are absolutely amazing. The best audience in all the truth community. This weekend, I'll be at Reckoning Fest, reckoningfest.com. If you want to get tickets to see, uh, see that Saturday, 107, Mike Lindell, Mel K. Uh, we got Laura Logan. Tons of us are going to be there. Um, hope you guys have a fantastic evening and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Good night.